Hi, how are you? So this week I had uh, Adam H. Johnson coming on the show. He is a uh, one of the hosts of Citations Needed that I called the wrong name several times last week. Uh, his wife had an illness and he had to take care of it. And my week is so packed that I couldn't really record at a different time. So what I have decided to do is Adam will be on either next week or during my vacation. Um, but I'm going to give you, uh, since I didn't have a show to post, I didn't have anything I could do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you one of my vacation shows. This show is with Henry Gilbert from Talking Simpsons Pod. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff that I'm currently not remembering because it was a month ago. But uh, I don't think it had too much to do with Christmas or January. So I hope you enjoy it. I thought it was a very fun show. I thought I talked about things that I don't talk about normally. Uh, specifically a lot of pop culture stuff. Um, and Henry's a great person. And so if some of the stuff in it sounds either dated or, you know, like we're talking about the future, that's why. And stay tuned next week. I think we're going to have Adam on here. I'm pretty sure. And uh, I love you all. Goodbye. Or not goodbye. God damn it. That was a flub a little bit. Uh, see, you see you next week. Bye. No, not bye. God damn it. I'll see you Sunday. This is the end of the intro, not the end of the show. Thank you. Hello, welcome to Street Fight Radio. I don't know where that uh, opening came from. Uh, I'm just going to say I'm recording this a couple months before it airs, so I might have a different intro, but you're just going to have to fucking deal with it because uh, I need a vacation. We all need a vacation, right, everybody? So uh, my guest this week, this wonderful week, is uh, Henry Gilbert from the Talking Simpsons podcast. Uh, I have guested on their show a bunch. They're the only people on the planet that have been able to get me to watch a cartoon in, I don't know, 20 years. So how's it going, Henry? Oh, well, thanks. Thanks, man. I didn't, boy, that is the, the opposite of my life is, is all cartoons. So that's, that's so funny to hear. Uh, but then the, the thank you uh, to know that you watched a cartoon for us was out of the ordinary. We, we extra appreciate you coming on. Well, the thing is, like, I just... I did watch, I, I think I explained this to you before, like, it's this really funny parallel, actually, to shock jocks with me, really. I, and, and, and hear me out here, listener. Um, so I talk on Shocktober a lot of times about how, like, uh, when I was 15 or 16, I discover Howard Stern. I listen to Howard Stern until I'm in my, until, you know, we're looking, we're thinking 1995. I'm listening to, I start listening to Stern, maybe 94. And I start watching the E! Show at that time. And then four years or five years later, I discover Opie and Anthony. And I decide, you know what? Howard Stern's not edgy enough for me. 
I'm an Opie and Anthony guy. So I become this like Opie and Anthony guy where I'm like, this isn't edgy and uh, this is so much more edgy. And, and you know, listen, I go back and listen now and it's the least creative shit I've ever heard. But at the time I felt that it was great. My, my, my uh, uh, animation thing followed roughly the same path. So I did like the Simpsons. I'd come home from work. I'd watch The Simpsons every day. I watched them on Sundays. And then when Family Guy came out, I just became like the hugest Family Guy guy. I did, I rather, I would rather watch Family Guy than The Simpsons. I just tossed The Simpsons aside <laughs> so that I could be into Family Guy. Did you feel like you leveled up from it? And it's like, oh, I can't go back to the, I mean, uh, the, you know, the Simpsons, they were feeling the burn at that time. They thought like, oh, we're not the hot thing anymore. Family Guy's the hot thing. All the cool kids like us. And that's why like in the seasons where they were up against Family Guy, they did some darker, edgier stuff like to fit with the times. Like that's the that's the season where Homer is sexually assaulted by a panda or like uh, uh, Mo does jokes about roofing someone, which I was like, wow, this is a new new level for mo here you know well i i think like i do think that we're talking about a time in the culture and this is i you know i'd like to think it's probably like 93 to 2014 where in order for anybody to like anything it had to be like kind of racist kind of <laughs> homophobic <laughs> like it was just kind of like if i mean obviously you know i'm i'm a straight guy so so like none of that stuff bothered me at the time but when i look back on it now and even when i try to watch some of the shit i was watching back then i'm like holy fuck this is this is incredible like uh people will uh remember on the bob and tom shocktober episode that I talked about how they would play Bob and Tom on the bus on the way to school. And like my dad listened to it and everybody's like these really big fans of Bob and Tom. And, and they were considered kind of a lighter, less hardcore radio show. And then like the first line on the first thing I play on the Bob and Tom episode of Shocktober is a Brokeback Mountain parody, which... <laughs> <laughs> Every comedian needed one. That was you had to have your brokeback mountain chunk when you were going on stage. I get it. I'm not mad. But the first line it is 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 something like, if you like brokeback mountain, you're a queer. And then it like goes into the thing, and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I think with all that homophobic stuff back then, like and, and I'm gay, uh, but like I I didn't get it as much back then sometimes if somebody like straight up said like hateful things like mm. yeah you got it but there they were sometimes like on shows like uh south park or whatever they make jokes about like oh well yeah well we're cool with gay people but also i want to say fag like it's a yes. fun word like they and that was just part of the exchange that i think now it's hard to go back to those because you just see it as like, well, that was a losing battle and you lost. Like, it's like, <laughs> I, 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 you guys can't say it. I'm sorry. It's it, we've, that's society. Maybe there'll be a time when you can. That's uh, not where we're at right now in society. <laughs> you probably well, it's should. Inter it's interesting because, like, everybody was, I mean, like, obviously, like, I listen, I listen and watch a lot of super, like, 
edgy stuff that is going to have that kind of thing in it. But, like, I mean, I don't know if The Simpsons ever did, like, the F-slur, but one of the mm -hmm. only Simpsons episodes I remember uh, for some reason, and I thought it was just the funniest episode in the world, was the one where the steel workers. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. At the end of the episode, it said, like, keep reaching for that rainbow or something <laughs> like that. And at the time, like, I really thought that was hilarious. And maybe it still is. I, I mean, I guess it still is. It's still pretty funny. It yeah. yeah I, it's yeah. not. It doesn't come off as homophobic is what I'm saying. But at the time, I think that, you know, Brian, who who watched that episode at that time, probably was actually taking it the wrong way you know well, what i mean that that episode uh it's called homer's phobia and it is one of ones i really like and and you know yeah it's like fucking 25 years old now which is crazy but and i mean if you want to like you know if you want to grade things on a problematic level well it's a bunch of like straight actors making a gay voice in in things but and uh, but they they got John Waters to do it, and like he and, and back then it was like we hired a gay icon that mm -hmm. gives us we're we're cool we can do whatever we want kind of thing. Which I, I mean honestly I think that's fine. But yeah, in that specific episode uh, and and it's a funny episode. Those I, and also I've known lots of gay dudes who love that scene too because it's just funny that these it is there's. Just something funny. These very hyper-masculine steelworker guys then animated in more queeny or feminine ways. Like it is funny, and it's and Homer is disgusted by it. But all I think why it works to me too is all of the steelworkers are just like they aren't judged. They aren't wrong. They are they are secure in who they are. They're like I'm a steelworker, and we work hard and we play hard, and they're they're having hot steelworker sex in the steel mill like that. I, I I think that's a great scene. It's weird to me that I, I think that that like, yes, it, it is like, I don't yeah, you're right. I mean, like I always I, I had recently more recently when I thought about it. Every time I do your show, I think about that episode <laughs> because like I literally remember that and the flame and Moe's like those mm -hmm. are the two things that I super remember. And then the rest of the stuff is like little things like I remember five million family guy jokes i could <laughs> recite like every family guy joke i love but uh uh the simpsons to me was like i don't know i never liked the treehouse of horror stuff like i <laughs> just couldn't stand it and then something that happened a lot in the 90s that and 2000s that i don't think happens as much anymore simply because of social media is musical episodes which mm -hmm. i absolutely fucking hated <laughs> and it was every yeah. show i'm not talking about just the simpsons or the family guy but like drew carey would do oh yeah musical they, episode i uh, yeah i mean the i feel like other than the simpsons that would do like oh let's do i guess you could say they were first but even then I feel like there's some weird episodes of like Moonlighting. I think did a musical episode, <laughs> or if not them, then like uh, L.A. Law. But but yeah, after Simpsons, then you know, I think the real tipping point was when Buffy the Vampire Slayer did it, and that's when like every other annoying writer on TV was like, "All right, well, it's a test for us as writers 
and as uh, for our actors, if they can do a musical episode, we just got to do it. It's funny. That is such a funny thing to think about, though, right? Like, like that, that, like something about the 2000s and the 90s, there was, and, and it's kind of happening again now, but like there was this weird thing where like we are going to test the actors. And like the the uh, uh, musical episodes is definitely one thing where you'd be like, oh yeah, that is that is testing the actors. But there was other stuff too because like they would run live episodes sometimes, and it's mm -hmm. like I would be watching. It's funny because like it's a gimmick. Obviously, a live show is a gimmick, and and I fucking was right there for it. Mm -hmm. I was ready for a fucking live show. And uh, I go and I'm I'm like uh, uh, watching and I'm just hoping somebody fucks up a line and then says shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's what they were selling you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like anything can happen. And and I also love that. Like I remember, like Thirty Rock and ER when they did their live episodes that I was excited to watch. It was also fun because they were doing it live for both coasts. Like they would be like, okay, this is the East coast episode and here's going to be a West coast episode. And, and on the DVDs, you could watch two versions and see like, Oh, uh, they fuck up more the second time or the first time. Oh my God. I didn't know they did it twice. Uh, the big one I remember was ER and there was rock ROC. I don't know if you knew rock. Oh he, yeah. He was, they did. Well, it aired next to the Simpsons. So if the program next to the Simpsons, I remembered it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, that's, a, that's a show I watched a lot. I mean, uh, honestly, like at that time it was like, I really liked in living color. I, I liked like, I liked any like sort of hip hop or, or black thing like mm -hmm. immediately just on site. So as a big rock fan, as a big, uh, uh, I I've talked a lot about like a real pivotal moment in my life was seeing boys in the hood and mm -hmm. uh, colors that those movies like blew my fucking 12 year old mind. And uh, I just couldn't that that was sort of like when I started I don't know. It's like stuff you kind of look at. And you're like, some people decide like, oh, I want to be like, I, I guess there's a lot of people who decide like, I want to be like artistic. And mm -hmm. then there's people like me who are wrong as fuck. But like, I just want to be cool. I, I don't even fucking <laughs> care if, if, mm -hmm. if I'm perceived as being artistic. I just want people to be like, damn, that guy's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, you know, the, the, the thing... Well, first off, that's funny you mentioned, you know, I, I, it's something I didn't think about with Simpsons for the longest time until really doing history stuff on it that, you know, a lot of the brand for Fox Network in the early 90s was, you know, a lot of like black led series and then especially black comedies. And then you have the Simpsons right there, which is, you know, it's all I don't think a black person wrote for the show until like the 11th season or something. Well, no, no, no. Like there's there was a. There's a freelance writer who wrote one episode in season four, but it's a very white show. And, and it was just so funny. I, uh, somebody, uh, Daily Simpsons History, they do these cool Twitch streams where they show basically somebody taped a full hour of Fox and they just air it on there. Like just here was the Simpsons out aired one night in 92. And when it's over, the next episode that's going to be on is an episode of Martin. And it's like this original clip of martin going like oh bart you're so funny well you know tonight on martin we're gonna do this and he's like he's there to 
carry over Simpsons viewers into Martin. And I, I for completely forgot that they, they did that on the show. I fucking loved Martin. Now we're talking. We're talking <laughs> when it comes to TV, like at that time. I, I remember when Seinfeld was ending mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, there was this big hysteria. There's been two points in my life where I figured out I'm just a weird dude. And uh, one of them is when Seinfeld is ending. And the other one is when Kurt Cobain dies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I start with Kurt Cobain was like, people were totally you know really bummed about it like people in my life were like really sad you know you turned on mtv and you saw uh vigils and stuff Mm -hmm. and and i remember courtney love like giving a speech and a eulogy and like i saw all this stuff and i was like i don't think i ever heard a nirvana song I don't know how I wouldn't have, but I think I I was way more into rap at that time in my life. So it was probably just like, as soon as it came on, I turned the channel to Mm -hmm. find rap music. But the other fucking time that I felt like totally out of place was when Seinfeld was ending. And I started to look into what was airing when Seinfeld was, uh, running in in, at the beginning and it was martin and it was like well shit i was watching fucking martin that's what (laughs) that's what i was doing (laughs) really enjoying episodes of martin yeah no i get i i heard that from a lot of friends i didn't i did not get into seinfeld until like the fourth season it was when it got into syndication and you could watch it at a different time which is when i heard a lot of people uh got into simpsons because they didn't watch it at night but then when it was wearing in the afternoon on their on their local stations that's when they watched it i you know for for me i i'm not gonna say i'm like a super knowledgeable person about rap but uh in my teens when i started getting into it was when i because i'm a huge nerd i am i can't i'm not it's not my brand i just accept it uh and and when i learned that like you know uh when I first heard a Wu-Tang Clan out, uh, song and and heard them make references to like kung fu movies I'd seen and all this nerdy stuff, I was like, oh, shit, okay, these guys, like, they love the shit I like. And then and then I heard the uh, Del the Funk, Funky Homo Sapien, which is like a nerd, like the nerdiest song stuff. Song live two years uh, ago. Cool. I, when I heard he had his um, song Protoculture, which is just him talking about like now it sounds like the stupidest fucking thing in the world because everybody I could watch 800 new raps about video games right now and they'd all suck and be stupid but nobody then was doing video game raps and it felt special like he's he's rapping about why the Sega Saturn's better than the PlayStation actually if you play it like I, would have hated I love that. that. <laughs> I you, Henry, if I had heard that back then I would have really been mad at it like oh what is this video game crap and I I play video games, you know, I'm a big Mortal Kombat three head. I, I, I played that game and played that game like constantly, but I, I don't think I would allow, I actually saw Dell the funky homo sapien two years ago at the gathering of the juggalos. Oh, nice. I, nice. I went to the gathering and he was performing there and, and I got to watch him. People were really liking, Oh wait, no, that was RA the rugged man. I thought it was uh, Dell the funky homo sapien. Uh, he would have been good there though. People would have probably got nuts for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that whole, like that whole time where it was like you, it's so weird to live in a time where you don't have to pick one thing over the other. 
you know. And and the Simpsons, ninety nine percent of my knowledge of them is they ran them at from five to six, uh, Monday through Friday on Fox. And I, you know, I get off work at four four thirty, and I go home and sit on the couch and just play have the Simpsons on because you didn't have a phone to stare at. Exactly. So, <laughs> and I miss. I I I think it's so weird to think about like like you get a little bit of free time and you don't stare at your phone is or, yeah. or you couldn't stare at your phone i start thinking like we must have been so dumb back then <laughs> why well, i've reminded myself like what i do on the toilet before phones like oh i had magazines i just brought a yes. magazine in there and i threw it away yeah no why well, you know it makes you wonder like how many things got popular just because like a person didn't have a phone to look at when they got home like when they got like, <laughs> you know, well it's eight o'clock or it's like it's 11 at night i guess i will watch the tonight show what else am i gonna do nothing else is on you know God, that shit i i just you know i've been i've been uh uh thinking a lot about like the tonight show and stuff like that because when you listen to like old Howard Stern or old Opie and Anthony stuff, they, they're constantly talking about it. It was like a big, huge thing to go watch The Tonight Show. And then uh, lately, you know, the conservatives have been like kind of tooting their horn about fucking Greg Gutfeld gets these like <laughs> really high ratings, right? Wow. Like, and uh, I'm like, well, you know, the people watching TV at that time it's like it's so let it's so much less people like mm -hmm. stuck tuning into tv at the time that it airs you know like everything's time shifted like i assume that everybody who watches uh the tonight show watches it the next day like, yeah or or just in clips of like you know oh somebody shared like i mean that was kind of jimmy fallon's whole brand on his tonight show just like we're we're going to make a clip of like, well, this five minute segment is I'm going to sing an old song from like a cartoon from the eighties or something. And that'll get shared around or, or I'm going to make, I'm going to make the rock do a lip sync of a Disney song. Isn't that going to be funny? Like shit, shit like that. That is meant to just be shared on a video later the next day. Not, not a thing you watch before going to bed, you know, my, I'm going to steal a joke from my, my, my co-host Bob, but. He talked about how, like, in the old days on the Johnny Carson show, like, some clips of Johnny Carson, you get shared all the best ones. But a lot of them were just, like, the sketch was Johnny talks to a woman with big boobs, and the joke is he keeps, like, looking at her boobs. And that's yeah. it. And, and Bob joked, of like, yeah, that was to get, you know, your grandpa hard to, like, fuck his wife at the end of, the, of a long day. Like, that's, well, that's why they did those jokes on The Tonight Show. Incredibly it's so funny because because stern does like like impressions of carson doing his bits and i'm like oh my god but then i think about like how and this would never work now it, it, never for me at least I, I mean maybe for other people but like how hard you would laugh at like jay leno doing headlines <laughs> or, or or the ads where he would like read i don't know if they were fake or if they were real uh i always heard two separate things like a lot of people uh, would say oh they're fake and then other people would say no they're real he finds them so <laughs> you know i love that because the i i was an anti-jay leto guy like i 
I was a heavily programmed comedy nerd who was told like, well, the good side is Letterman and the bad side is Leno, which I do still feel to this day. But Conan had the, this great parody on the Conan O'Brien show. He'd have this great parody of it called Actual Headlines. That would be the name of it. And he'd, he'd set it up just like the Leno ones. But then he'd hold up headlines that were clearly just like a written joke and that were not real headlines. And so it was just, that it was both just funny jokes, and then the added level was he's doing the J thing, but making it obvious these are fake headlines. I'm trying to remember how I felt about like Conan and Leather Letterman. I think as far as which show I watched back then, it mm -hmm. was very much dependent on the guest. I wasn't gonna like I didn't have like a dog in the fight, so it would be like who's the guest tonight, and really it kind of depended on like the band more than anything because there was no actors or there were comedians that i would have liked to have seen or whatever but i didn't have like a good knowledge of like comedy at the time only like you know sort of what i think is funny which mm -hmm. to the comedy nerd that was existing at the time that that i had no access to and had zero conversations with i i don't think i i cannot think of a single other person that i went to high school with that even did comedy like mm -hmm. i i'm I, I and and like i looked at the uh which this doesn't this isn't any kind of number i looked at the notable alumni and <laughs> i'm the only person from the school that did anything comedy related everybody else yeah. was like Football player, basketball player, astronaut. That's funny. Yeah, my local, I one time looked at notable alumni wiki page for like my high school, which obviously I'm not on either. And I, I'm not trying to add myself to it. But when I look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just like guys who played on the football team who then made it to the NFL or almost made it to the NFL. You know, that's pretty much just just it. And I, I didn't even think I went to like that much of like a football school uh, in high school. Uh, but yeah, I... Uh, but yeah, you know, that's just crazy to think like I used to watch like Conan. I liked watching Conan for the sketches, but I wouldn't stick around for the celeb unless it was a celebrity I liked. And then just the idea of like, oh, my God, there's going to be five minutes of stand up from a stand up. I like, like, let's say Mark Marin. I could never see Mark Marin normally. And this is going to be new stand up from him if, because maybe once every like two years, you'd get to hear uh, you could like buy a new album of, of stand up from a stand up you like. Now, literally, there's too much stand-up from every stand-up mm -hmm. I like. Like, I just like not just their Twitter feed, but also they pretty much everybody wants to put out an album a year. And then on top of that, I can just watch all of their previous comedy anytime I feel like it. Yeah. So mine is uh, uh, I'm, I have the notable alumni up from Groveport Madison High School, <laughs> and uh, Le'Veon Bell was a football player that played by the uh that was selected in the second round of the draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So okay. Calvin Booth was a pro basketball player selected by the Wizards in the second round. That's pretty good. That's pretty okay, good. Here, here's where it gets really strange. John okay. Feldmeyer, attorney and Wright State University professor. Now, what? I, listen. It's hard to become a professor. I will say that. Like, you do have to go through a lot of shit. But, mm. and I guess maybe he's like, I, I should, let me click him. I don't want to downgrade him, but I mean, 
Uh, yeah, he's just an attorney, really. Okay. He, uh, oh, he he was on his notable cases are, um, Feldmeyer received his JD from Capital Law, and then notable cases: Ashcroft v. Free Speech Coalition, United mm. States v. Williams, and State versus Doe. Now, I can't tell. So mm. yeah, he he. Okay, he worked for the Free Speech Coalition, so I liked him. And I'm kind of actually jealous of him because when I was a fucking kid, mm-hmm. I told my dad that I wanted it because I had seen the People versus Larry Flint in the theater and I was on mushrooms. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was telling my dad, like, I want to be a free speech lawyer. And he's like, there's no money in that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does seem like you just do everything pro bono. Yeah, no, I mean, that movie, that made free speech look like the coolest. Uh, or being a free speech lawyer who's like fighting the man, like the coolest thing in the world. Like, oh, yeah, I love okay. that movie. I should watch that again and see if it's any good. Cause like I fucking, I, maybe I am like a Milos Foreman head and I just <laughs> don't know about it because another movie that I really love by him is man on the moon. I think movie. Yeah, oh yeah. Great. Yeah. That's a, uh, that, that is, that is a great movie, except that movie is guilty of a thing like that. I just noticed in every biopic that they have to have a scene where of somebody says to the Andy Kaufman of those movies, like, but you might just be a genius. I'm just like, all right, I think you're crazy, but you might just be a genius. That's my shit. I love that. I, I haven't watched a biopic in so long because like, I think I got annoyed with them after, uh, I think it was probably walk the line was the mm-hmm. one where I was like, dude, 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 dude. There was so much cooler about Johnny Cash than just his, re- like the whole thing was his relationship with his wife. And mm-hmm. it's like, where's all the fucking cool stuff? And then I yeah. just was like, I'll never watch. Cause uh, there's no way I'm watching that queen documentary uh, or oh. um, biopic. No way. Or Elton yeah. John. None of those. You know? Yeah. I, I dislike the queen so much that- it was so crummy that the Elton John one being less crummy, I disliked it less. Though I'm not saying it's like good, but uh, here's the it, this is my thing I don't like in biopics is I'm against the lip syncing when they're playing a fame guy. I think like they should just sing, like if because it's like, oh, when you know, when Ray Charles played this song live, he sounded just like the famous recording of him. Like, no, he didn't, like, just oh, uh, yeah. No, but shit, I loved Ray. I gotta tell you, that movie blew my fucking <laughs> mind as a youngster. I, uh, but uh, so we got Thomas Hennon, who is an astronaut. Who funny story about him? Some hooligan at our school stole his jacket when oh, he came damn. to give us a speech. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, it was not me. People, I told the story before on the show, and people were like, "Was it you? Was it one of your friends?" Now. It very easily could have been one of my friends, but it was not me. I would okay. not steal an astronaut's <laughs> NASA jacket. It was very funny. I mean, I'll always, it'll always make me laugh to remember the announcement where, like, if whoever stole Thomas's, Thomas, Mr. Hennon's uh, astronaut, whatever the NASA jacket is, bring it to the office now. And mm-hmm. I just cracked up. I was like, when well, you motherfuckers stole that thing, that's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> yeah, get another one. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Now I got to take it back. I went to my uh, alumni page uh, for Orange Park High School in Orange Park, Florida, a, a suburb of Jacksonville. And I was right in remembering like, yeah, it's like uh, 
Adrian Wright, uh, a uh, assistant coach for the Buffalo Bills, and uh, Sid Robertson, uh, sorry, Sid uh, Roberson, and uh, Major League Baseball pitcher for the Brewers. But there is a wrestler, but I remember why I didn't care that it was this wrestler. I actually felt shape. It's uh, Brian Lee, which uh, better known as Chains or the fake Undertaker. And he's nice. like, yeah, but well, you know, he was, I feel like it was like in the last 10 years, people on an HDTV notice, like, wait, he's got SS tats. Like this guy. Like, yes. Yeah. So I was a like, a lot of those guys had those back then. <laughs> uh, yeah. We got, we got a brigadier general for the U S Marine Corps during world war one and world war two, Amor L Sims. So he was in two wars. So that's that. Wow. Two wars. And Tony Lowry was a, a Wisconsin Badgers football quarterback, which, and then he played in the Arena Football League, which is like, come on, okay. Uh, Lilia Osterloh, <laughs> pro tennis player, and then Brian Quinby, comedian and co-host, which I should change that. I am host of Street Fighter Radio now. Eric Smith, football player, Wyatt Worthington, golfer. Dwayne Smoot, football player. And now we get to the last two, Michael White, hip-hop artist, better known as Trippy Red, mm. and uh, Aaron England, credentialed motorsports journalist and racer covering NASCAR, IndyCar, and NHRA racing events. So <laughs> that's the notable alumni. I made the list, but <laughs> that's, it's, that's I'm the only comedian. Yeah, the only yeah. one that came from that school. I think that's also maybe. And and do you have any comedians from on your you know, list? No, I don't. Uh, no, I I think uh, yeah, comedy didn't flow through there. I I have there are three more biggies I forgot though. There's like one is this kid. Every we had a child prodigy in our class, like is in. This kid, like they, they did news stories about him. It's, uh, it's on the, I'm not doxing him because it's on the notable alumni page. It's Greg Smith. Uh, and he was a nine year old who was going to school. Uh, but honestly, everybody at school hated him because he's oh, yeah. like, he got, he got private. It's not because they bullied him. Like you, they made him unbullyable because, and I wouldn't want people to bully him. I'm not saying that, but he was protected from that because he had, constant supervision from multiple teachers all the time meaning he got like the kind of teaching at a public high school no other kid ever got and we're like well maybe i'd be a child prodigy if i had like free teachers doting on me all the time like and secret service he had his own secret service <laughs> detail and i think that and i also think the teachers there they wanted to give him special attention because like oh man when this kid becomes you know the next bill gates or whatever he's going to remember me and I swear, I looked him up. I this kid never did shit. Like he didn't do nothing. Like him, he he was a super smart nine year old, and then went on. By the time he was twenty, he didn't do dick. Yeah, it feels like those kids. Like, I mean, where do you really? What I don't know. I'm thinking about it, and I'm just like, what would the end? Run of this kid be? And it's like I think, and I've said this about. When I raised, when I was raising my daughter, she's 18 now, so I'm done with it. But, <laughs> but like I said that like my main, one of my main goals, like obviously I wanted her to get good grades and I, I wanted her to do well in school and, and all that stuff. But like, I spent all my time like being like, how do I make it? So she's not a weirdo. So people 
don't pick on her at school. That was like, that was what I wanted. And it mm. wasn't because I got picked on in school. I did the picking, <laughs> but I knew how bad it would be, how, how heartbreaking it would be to me if she came home and said somebody was bullying her and stuff like that. Like it just, it, one of the first things I thought when she was born was like, something about how somebody's going to be mean to her and it's going to make me sad and stuff like that. It's just this whole thing. So I was like, I want her to be normal as normal as possible, you know? So I got her a cell phone at the age that people were getting them and, and mm. shit like that. And I think if you're a nine year old that goes to high school and has the teachers following you around, mm. I would think you're maybe social skills, which are, maybe more important than than the other skills that you get from school like the 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 science and math and and all that stuff like shit is all that stuff's important english is important all these things are important but i think mm -hmm. what really people should be focusing on is social skills and i'll bet you nobody cared about that kid's social <laughs> So no, yeah, I know. Like they made they made sure he couldn't be bullied, which is good. I'm saying that's good. But he also like he was a freaking nine year old who his only people he talked to were probably other adults all the time. Had no other kids who were his own age and friends, and probably always being told you're the smartest person I've ever met. You're so smart. Like how does that not like fuck you up and make you bad? I. This that this isn't as an extreme example, but like I was in AP classes and stuff in school, but not uh, like for about half the subjects. But I had a friend who was in all AP classes, and he was also taking college classes on the side. And he turned eighteen, and he's like, "Man, he's so far ahead when he goes to college." The moment he was not under his parents' supervision and living at home, he was just like he did drugs all the time and dropped out. And he was just like, "Yeah, that's." This guy never had freedom his whole childhood, and once he got it, he overdosed on it. And it, and I, I hope that guy ended up all right after all that. Yeah, you want to like? I think like that that like the goal with everybody is like if we figured out a way to really teach people how to socialize at a very young age, instead of just every time they try to talk to each other, screaming at them. <laughs> <laughs> how things were when I was growing up at the very least when I was in school it's like stop talking stop talking stop talking the whole day it's like you put me in a room full of people my age and <laughs> we're gonna fucking talk but it was always like stop talking and do these algebra problems and it's like you 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 would say this in school all the time why am I doing this this is pointless. What, what is the reason for algebra classes? And then it would always end up them just saying like, well, it'll help you solve problems in the future. And like, I'm in the future now very far. And I haven't used algebra to solve any of my problems in my no, entire it, life. It's completely meaningless. Yeah. I mean, I, I always figured the best case scenario is they hope that like, Oh, for one in a hundred of you, you'll be really good at algebra and that will lead you to like some career later that will be important to society or some business because you were good <laughs> at algebra and it like will pick you out and just the other 99 who aren't good at algebra well we got to waste your time so this uh, one person who's good at it can move on to the next level and one of the things that what i was what i was kind of thinking about is the like um 
being being like a, a gifted student seems like I I don't I don't I wasn't a gift I wasn't considered a gifted. So I had that fucking thing. I hated this so much. This is like my thing was was the most annoying thing in the world was that uh everybody said hey you're a smart guy um you're not trying hard enough you should apply yourself and you could really get somewhere and uh i still to this day i'm like how the fuck do you know i'm a smart guy if i've never <laughs> tried like <laughs> i don't i know that they were trying to help me but like they treated me like i had this opportunity in the future to be like if i wasn't hanging out with these dipshit smoking cigarettes and getting high all the time i would have been you know bill gates but the truth is like when you don't live in la or new york or maybe miami chicago that's like it's just like a really small handful of places like mm -hmm. the things that me and you at least i think wanted to do seemed so impossible so you're not going to get a lot of kids pursuing comedy or or even acting or anything like that because like when you don't live in the places where you can see people being successful at it you just don't even try you don't even see it as like a possibility i i you know before podcasting you know there was no fucking chance no i i know yeah i yeah, yeah well i had i had both flavors of that because i was a gifted kid uh which obviously is the hardest thing in the world to be it's so hard to be a gifted kid everybody i mean like, it the, seems like it's uh, I'm joking. to me i'm joking <laughs> no, I'm saying from 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 the outside looking in, it does seem like it sucks. I gotta tell you. <laughs> well, you know, for I, I I will say in my 20s, I started noticing there was a lot of like books and movies and TV shows that are always about. Man, it's hard to be. Was we were yeah. gifted kids and everybody expected so much of us, and I was like, ugh. But it, but it also is how I felt a lot of time. But the the two sides of it I have was like they they you know picked me as gifted because. I just honestly was that I did math problems faster than anybody else in class, like as in just addition and subtraction. Like I just instantly got it and I could read a little better than everybody else. But also I was extremely socially awkward and I am lazy and I do just want to procrastinate and not do stuff. And so eventually by my like third year of gifted studies, I'm like, we know, we know you're smart, but you you don't finish your work. Like you didn't do this thing. I, was yeah. like, I didn't want to do my homework. It was homework sucks. I wanted to watch a TV show like, or play a video game. I, the, the most extreme example of that was where I was pushed by, uh, anger to try hard to prove some, to prove a teacher wrong. Who was like, well, we're not letting you back in AP English. And I want to be an AP English so bad because it was like, but I'm a writer. I'm an AP English. I, you can't let me. So I worked so hard I actually got the highest grade on the final test, higher than the valedictorian, and or tied with the valedictorian. And she's like, and I was like, huh? Guess you gotta let me an AP. And she she burned me back. She's like, yeah, I knew you could do this, but you do, only when you try and you don't try. And I was like, damn, you got me. You got yeah. me. Again. <laughs> My report cards were all like puts forth minimal effort or uh could be whatever they thought but again i don't think you can assume that somebody i don't want to i you know i don't think in my there was ever a time in my life like i know i didn't want to be a comedian for a very long time and it's because in my mind the comedians i had saw which i know i'm not you know whatever people like they like but the 
people that were comedians in my mind were Conan O'Brien, Jay Leno, uh, David Letterman, and Jerry Seinfeld. And mm-hmm. I just was like, these guys are fucking dorks, man. I don't, <laughs> I want to be a heavy metal singer. I want to be in a heavy metal band and be the singer, which by the way, now that I am who I am, I know a lot of people in heavy metal bands, very dorky. That's, that's also yeah. like a very dorky job to have. No. Yeah. I, I, I know I, uh, you know, for me growing up, I, I had a bunch of dreams, but definitely like I did want it. I was like, who writes the Simpsons or who does these like, Oh, this, this nerdy stand up that I see like Pat Oswalt. Like that was the type of dude who I thought, well, I could be like Pat Oswalt. And I love him. I, I love him too. And and the, I, I feel kind of bad that I saw him as like this attainable dream. And it's like, well, he works really hard to write a bunch of jokes all the time and perfect them. Do you do that? And like, eh, not really. I don't think I have that dedication, but I mean, that uh, but, guy is, truly i i you know I, he's a super funny guy um but i believe that he got where he is also because he's incredibly nice and mm. uh people really i mean i met him once and uh he did a show with us i we we did a show with him in his hotel room in columbus and uh uh he was just he gave us like a bottle of really expensive whiskey and like he was just this like really incredibly nice guy. And, and for people that don't know, I, we had done shows, uh, in the years running up to that goofing on him a lot because I had just become this guy that was like stand up stupid. And, you know, I think he was like also like defending like Daniel Tosh, and stuff like that uh at that period of time and i just was like you know fuck this guy you know and he's corny he's a nerd i don't like him and uh when we got so he contacted will menneker and said can you put me in contact with uh brian and will was like yeah and uh when we met he said he had listened to the show that i goofed on him for an entire fucking hour we we were really mean to him for an entire hour and he was like uh i hey i thought it was funny you know maybe i deserved it and i was like I mean, you didn't actually uh. <laughs> deserve me just being mean to you because you're a famous guy that that in all honesty at that time when when daniel tosh was in trouble for i think it was like a rape joke in a caroline's or in in the laugh factory right yeah 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 uh you know I think Brian now would just kind of goof about it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, yeah, this guy, he's real edgy. Yeah, blah, blah, whatever. I don't know what the joke would be. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't, I, I don't call out comedians anymore, artists. I just, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like nobody has to listen to anything. Like nobody's being forced to listen or watch anything. And I'm just like, I I think in my mind, it's just like, you know, yesterday I posted something, this date the show, um, but I won't really date the show because I'm sure I'll post about Batman at some point. (laughs) Uh, I posted something about Batman, uh, very annoyed at at directors of Batman movies. I I don't know if you're a Bat fan, I mean, I um, like that just fine. Yeah, yeah. But. I don't like the DC movies because the bad guys are never funny. Oh, you know? sure. <laughs> like, they gave us the Riddler, 
But mm-hmm. like that's not the Riddler. In the well, Batman? I mean, oh, in the Batman, the Riddler's like he's a Twitch streamer. Like that's who he is. He's like, <laughs> yeah. You're totally I I forgot about that. And also they give you the penguin. Yeah, yeah. Barely, was, and he's not really the penguin. He's just like you know? a fat jerk with a long with a slightly big nose. That's well, I mean, in general, I I I think Colin Farrell is is a good actor. I like seeing him and stuff, but I'm like I, I honestly feel like it is wrong to fat actors never get to be in movies no. now, like ever. Nope. And and when you have actual like fat characters like the 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 penguin, like Danny DeVito's of now don't get to be the penguin. They hire fucking Colin Farrell and put him in a fat suit. And I, I don't know. I think that I think that's unfair to to fat actors who could be who could have been a great penguin. Exactly. Exactly. So I go like, so I I posted something about like, you know, if you're not going to put Robin in a movie, <laughs> first of all, I think that's the most cowardly thing The the Christopher Nolan thing, w- what happened was they made that Batman and Robin movie mm-hmm. and people hated it. And it's like, yeah. so you're just not like going to try it again. Like he <laughs> is like a character that exists and so I said, if you're not going to put Robin in it, you're not going to put some goofy guy like like Mr. Migsixelplix or whatever that guy's name or yeah. something like that. Like, what's the point in even uh, doing what, anything? You know? What, and DC's full of like giant talking gorillas too that would be like cool to see, you know? And but, they did that. They did it in the Suicide Squad just so they could kill a bunch of them. Right. So there yeah, was yeah. that, but it was just kind of like, okay, well, they killed a bunch of them. So I really, if they're going to make these dark versions, I want them to do like the dark version of like one of like Kite Man, which somebody <laughs> hits me to. Yeah, be, or there's also another real one, Condiment King. Yes. Be a fun too. Yeah. So, so yeah. I posted about that. I mean, a little goofy. I was just goofing around like on a thread and a guy replied to me, you know, well, Batman's a fascist and the, the bad guys are actually something. I mean, you know, the, the whole thing. And I uh, didn't do it because I'm a kind gentleman, but I just wanted to respond with Batman as a fictional character. He is not (laughs) anything. Everybody he kills or beats. He doesn't even kill, right? Everybody he beats up, is an actual bad guy doing bad guy stuff because it's a fictional character. Mm-hmm. Batman is not a racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's the thought experiment you could say of like, if there was a Batman in real life who was like a rich, crazy person who beat you, dresses up at night, beats the shit out of people who he tells you like, well, yeah, that was the bad guy. I just, I caught him. He was going to blow up the town and you'd be like, but was he like, do we instantly believe you Batman? Like, I get that in real life, but yeah, in, in the fictional world of Batman of like, well, yeah, we saw the Joker kill all those people. So we know Batman's right to, to beat up that guy. Capture. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's we, how I feel about comics now. Uh, like I, I don't begrudge people who are part of marginalized groups that get angry at comedians. And I think that's, you know, the, the, the other side of free speech. I think that's fucking great. And, and like, for me, it's like, if I step out of line in any way, which I don't like to even say it as step out of line because that sounds like like a conservative version of like right talking about cancel culture. But if I say something to hurt somebody, uh, I don't do this to hurt people. Mm-hmm. So 
I like to know. And then you don't have to forgive me or anything. And I don't even feel like if I disagree with it, I don't feel like I need to fucking apologize or anything. It's like you're one person and, you know, nobody else said anything, but I am not here to hurt people. So yeah. I just and, and that's the way I think about like, that's what frustrates me about the cancel culture guys is that I'm like, well, you, I mean, this person doesn't have any fucking power like you. You mm -hmm. can't be canceled. You are getting criticized on a joke, which is part of being a public figure and specifically part of being a public figure that wants to cross the line. You're not coming close to the fucking line. If like, you're not edgy, you're not, you're not coming close to the line. If every time you do get close to the line and somebody says, I didn't like that. You go, Oh God, the fucking cancel culture is happening. <laughs> well, you know, I think there's a ton of comedians who also just most comedians, the older they get, the less good they are at being a standup. You know, they're not, mm -hmm. they, the richer they get, the less they're in touch with being a real person. Like they have no normal things to do. Like, you know, if, if people like, Ellen were being honest in their stand-up, it would be about like, isn't it isn't it crappy when your your Tuesday butler doesn't know the things your Monday butler doesn't know? Like, <laughs> like they would just say that shit. But they but they know that like that is gross and alien. So they still instead of actually living a human life and being able to make observations about that, they have to be like five steps removed and be like, well, this is what I think a human life is still right now. And now to make observations about that. And then on top of that, you tell them they're wrong or not funny. Like then they're twice as mad. They're like, no, I'm definitely funny. And people have told me I'm not funny a bunch. They were wrong because I'm so funny. And it's just, it is such a bad recipe. <laughs> that is true. They get that validation of like, this person's like a genius comedian. And, uh, you know, everybody, nobody is, like with Ellen and specifically as a person, like nobody's telling her like you're yeah. a fucking asshole. Like nobody, she, I firmly believe she didn't know that she was a fucking asshole until it came out that she's a fucking asshole. Yeah. Well, who's going <laughs> to, yeah. I mean, no one's going to tell her. And then, and also all she gets are these like humanitarian awards or being told like, what a great person you are, Ellen. Thank you. You're a trailblazer. So then you know these people that she doesn't even really view as people like the because they're like oh the assistant to the associate producer who i like don't even I, like she doesn't even talk to that boss person's boss's boss like that's how yeah. removed she is yeah i mean the, the the don't look at me sorts of people like i i always think that like that phenomenon is so fucking clear with a guy like Howard Stern that like at the, the, the version of them that exists now, it's mm. so clear that it's like these people are trying to like grab on and hold on to what made them great and human in, in the early, in the early times when, when people started to really like them, but like it, that's impossible. You can't like, like the guy Stern specifically made his his bones made it made his thing goofing on like very famous people and like critiquing famous women's looks and stuff like that. Well, when you're hanging out with like Jennifer Aniston 
and going to dinner with like her and Brad Pitt and fucking John Hamm and stuff like that. Yeah, I, you're just not gonna go on the air and goof on their appearances. You know, yeah. that's no, yeah. I understand it with him. I just would have hung up, hung it up before I got to that point because I listen to those old shows and like I, I've said this recently on the show, like maybe I still just have like that sort of mean sense of humor that I had when I was younger and like Shocktober is something where I get to indulge in that thing in, mm -hmm. in my life, you know, the, 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 the darker side of, of my sense of humor and, you know, and the version of me now gets to say like, well, that happened in 1994. I wouldn't <laughs> laugh at that now. Yeah. No, you know, I think I, I, I'm trying to think about celebrities who handle that better because you or not or how they deal with it. Cause like, you know, there's, I like some let's watch a bad movie podcast, but some of them when they're hosted by people who are like B level comedy celebrities who start getting cast in movies, they can't say like, they can't talk about a movie that's bad that stars a famous person who will cast them in something or they yes. can't, they can't even be like, you know what? That new Star Wars movie, I didn't like it because they want to, their agent, even if, even if they don't want it, their agent will tell them, you're not going to get cast in a fucking Star Wars movie or all the other movies because you made fun of a Star Wars movie. Like, and uh, so and, I, it takes some of the venom out of those, those things if that's what I want to listen to, I hear people complain about movies. And that's like the best thing to do, really, is like if you want to hear something, you know who didn't do that? I'll say this, and as a guy that maybe this is also a solution to the thing we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like old timey comedy. I don't like like borscht belt stuff, like the 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 vaudeville, that kind of thing. Like, I I mean, I don't think I'm supposed to like it anyway, because you know it's 2022. It's 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 kind of it's all dated and kind of uh -huh. silly. But I always hated it growing <laughs> up too. I just uh -huh could not stand that that stuff but like they did something that i think some comics could really benefit from now and what that is is uh retire coming up with new stuff and just do the same fucking jokes you were doing when you were at your most popular yeah yeah i you know i feel i feel bad for those stand-ups who probably would have just turned into that because they, you know, they got the guilt on them of, you know, uh, of the last 20 years, the style of standup was like, and yes, it started with Louis CK, but the style of standup was this guy puts out a new hour every year. Like you were expected, like you were looking like, uh, you were a lame out of touch comedian if you weren't making a new hour every year. And so these guys have to make a new hour every year to just keep up with, the output of the then accepted best comedian, Louis C.K., and so they all have to do it. And yeah, probably some comedians are better off with just like, like I saw Jim Gaffigan, who I think is, I think he's pretty funny. Uh, and I saw him in Vegas and he was doing a bunch of new stuff. But then at the end, uh, I was in Vegas and he was there. I was like, oh, let's, I, I took my mom to see him. And then at the end of it, after doing a bunch of new stuff I'd never heard before, like the band doing their encore, he plays the first like chords of, but you know what I like? Hot Pockets. And then he yeah. does his entire Hot Pockets bit. 
and we all loved it. We're like, yes, I paid to see this guy do the thing I already heard him do before. There, there is fun to it, even though I know that like, if I was view, reviewing him or viewing it criti- more critically, I'd be like, uh, what a hack thing doing hot pockets. Like we haven't heard that a hundred times, but so it was in this Vegas room. It was like, this comforts me and everyone else here. And we're all just happy. Right. I think that like people like me and you who, who would think about, think of like, oh, you know, this guy's just doing the same old shit, you know? Uh, I think that we are like two out of 10 people in, in the world. I, I, I think the other eight people are like, man, I really like to hear that. I, I like I and I admire there are two guys that their late career output are like some of the stuff I admire most. And and uh, um, as not a huge stand up fan, I uh, remember the first time I saw George Carlin's You Are All Diseased special mm-hmm. and um, it blew my fucking mind. And I loved it so much because it, it, it is uh, truly not funny. It is not <laughs> a funny special at all, but it is nasty. He is just like mean. He's sick of the fucking world. And like that, that's that set just blew my fucking mind the first time. I'd never seen anything like it. And then the other person that was like that was like is an author. Uh I, I am like a really huge fan of Kurt Vonnegut. Like I love his books. And I read his last book where it was just like a collection of essays from him near the end of his life. And he just was like, the world's not getting better. Everything's fucked. Uh, <laughs> everything sucks. And uh, I'll, I'm, I'm glad I'm dying now because it's just going to keep getting nastier and nastier. And uh, for some reason, like I felt like such a like kinship, like uh, uh, at th- that time in my life. And then even now coming around, to that time in my life again, where it's like, I don't, I don't know, man, maybe things don't get better. Maybe, <laughs> maybe right, we yeah. can fight and fight and fight and fight and fight forever. And shit is just going to stay, keep getting bad, worse and worse and worse and worse. You know, I, I, I guess uh, to me, when I hear you reminded me of like, yeah, these, these old geniuses who, they get extra cynical in their in their old age, which like feels honestly, that feels a little refreshing to me uh, compared to how it is now. I feel like old guys aren't allowed to be like old and cynical anymore. Everybody like no. kind of guilts them into it. I I mean like I I seriously think Alan Moore is like one of the like geniuses of my lifetime. He's the greatest, but and and he keeps making new things. There's a lot of old cranks who don't make new shit. He's always making new shit, but. Anytime he does an interview, people ask him the same eight fucking questions, like unoriginal questions. And yeah, he says like every time he says, yes, I did write Superman stories 40 years ago. I then saw how literally every superhero you love and I love is ripped from uh, uh, the creators who die penniless. Like I fucking hate it. I was like, yeah, he's right. Like there's just, mm-hmm. there's, I can't disagree with that. Well, meanwhile, now like there's dudes as they get old, they make like like look at Steven Spielberg for instance like the thing he just made that like he just was like you know what I'm just gonna make West Side Story it's just gonna be the 50s and I want to live in the 50s like this was the thing I liked as a kid so I'll just make a thing set in the time when I was a kid and now it's like his newest movie is I think it's like an 
autobiographical thing literally about him and his dad like which yeah. i guess is really all spielberg movies but yeah. i mean he played fucking uh, uh he made he made ready player one i yeah. i was kind of like kind of like uh with him at when he made ready player one which which uh i personally was excited to see I hadn't read the book i had seen mm. people on twitter kind of goofing on the book and then finding out the movie was coming out there kind of goofing on the movie and uh i was like how bad could this movie be um <laughs> it's got a lot of uh uh ip and i hadn't become sort of uh um i hadn't become a guy that was like this cynical use of just ip is is just bullshit it sucks you know it, it just is like fuck man you know i sit around and i think like and i was searching this yesterday when is the live action masters of the universe movie gonna <laughs> come out because i personally they don't make any of the shit that i was a fan of growing up none of the stuff that i liked gets made because i was like a he-man guy like uh uh I know so many He-Man guys, like the the Trap Jaw and fucking Moss Man and Faker, and like I just was like the biggest He-Man guy. And they just haven't made the He-Man movie. They tried with GI Joe. I mean, they gave it like a half-hearted attempt at making GI Joe stuff. And I see, I've seen every of the GI Joe live-action things. I saw, <laughs> right, yeah. I saw fucking Revelation, which is the best one. The one with Bruce Willis and uh, The Rock in it is, is yeah, kind of the yeah. best one. But like, uh, um, and I like the one with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it too as Cobra Commander. Like, I, even, I like them all. Huh? Yeah. No, but, yeah, that was a reveal, yeah. <laughs> but they don't, they just make things that I did. I, I didn't know that Iron Man was a character until the iron man movie came out because mm -hmm. i think and i'm not mistaken but as when i was growing up in the 90s comic books were like kind of not as popular like the the sales had gone like super way down and yeah um, yeah so people my age don't even probably really know that much about comic books unless they're like parents taught them about them you know well, yeah, so, like, I I was a huge comic nerd as a kid, uh, but, like, this was the crazy thing that when I was a kid, if you ask me, like, who's the top five most famous, like, superheroes, I'd say, you know, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, the Hulk, and probably Wolverine. He'd be, like, number five, you know? Never would I ever say Iron Man or Captain America. And, like, Iron Man is, like, the biggest thing in the world or what, you know, I think he's less... It's just the entire Marvel brand now. But for like a six-year period, seven-year period, Iron Man was more famous than any other superhero, which is goddamn insane to me as as yeah. a as somebody who grew up like not caring about Iron Man at all as a kid. And now we're living in a time where it's like, well, uh, the Thunderbolts is going to be out soon. And it's like, what the fuck are the Thunderbolts? <laughs> Nobody knows the Thunderbolts. I, I think that they overestimate. Because, I mean, when I was in school... Of course, as I said before, I was like the kind of guy that smokes behind the school and is a dick and, 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 you know, skips a lot of school. I don't remember anybody bringing comic books to school. 
I don't remember anybody reading comic books and like in school suspension, which is where I did a lot of my reading. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would get an in school suspension, and that's how I read both of Howard Stern's books. That's like sort of what got me into shock jock stuff was I was in ISS and I just was like, you know what? They called it tops at my school time out oh, okay. period. But uh, yeah, I was in tops and, and I was just like, uh, uh, I read the whole book in two days. Um, but like, I never saw anybody into comic books. So, so the way that they've gone full head on into only doing comic books when there are, <laughs> I don't know. It's the <laughs> hackiest thing in the world to say uh, they should take old IP that was bad and make it good, mm -hmm. you know, but that's what I yeah, really no. think they should be doing. I mean, I've, I, so I grew up loving Marvel comic books and dreaming of this moment that we're in now as a kid. And, and I, in the last few years, especially have just felt like, you know, I'm in a hell of my own making. Like <laughs> every fucking movie is this now, and and they're they they feel like when does it end? Like where does it end? It just keeps growing and growing from there. Like the Thunderbolts are all characters that like even I would know is like deep trivia of like <laughs> oh you know who the Thunderbolts are it's these guys. Like it's they never had a cartoon about them, but I think Marvel is just drunk on success. They're like we can make any of our ip work you know we can make well that's guardians of the galaxy is is like the real point where that happened you know like where it was like nobody in the world knew who guardians of the galaxy was except for like again like i would say as far as comic books in like the 90s and even the 2000s you have to think you know two out of ten high school kids were reading comics yeah, yeah i just i just don't think i i mean I, you would know better because you were reading them but mm. how many people did you know that was reading them back yeah then? no i mean so there was like this big comic book bust in 93 and that's where a lot of people if they were comic readers just dropped off and it just like cratered and didn't really come back until like I'd say, well, the knowledge of superheroes and popularity of them didn't really come back until the Spider-Man movie in 2002. Like, that was really, that brought it back. You're missing one thing, though. There is one thing that I can tell you that was enormous. That uh, <laughs> if I had been able to go to a comic book store, uh, if I had known where one was or where you buy comic books, because uh, uh -huh. they aren't at the grocery store in the 90s either. That They're not like, you have to go to a comic book store. You have yeah. to find somebody to take you. You have to find your parents and say, uh, will you take me to a comic book store? Mm -hmm. My dad would have said no 100% of the time. There's uh -huh. just no way. My, well, what, 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 you got any money? I'm not buying that. That's <laughs> bullshit. We won't waste the money. We're going to read a comic book. Um, so, like, I, uh, uh, I would have had to have somebody go there. But when Superman got killed, that was fucking massive. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was like one of the biggest news stories of the year that it happened. It was, but that was, see, that, uh, I think that, that was, uh, I believe it was 92, and I think that was what really killed, it ended up killing the comic industry because people thought that when it made all those news headlines, 
people thought Superman's going to stay dead. They're killing Superman, yeah. and when you kill somebody, they didn't know that the guys writing those comics then, they knew the rule in comics is literally no one stays dead, and when they made their plan to kill Superman, they are making their plan to bring him back. But their marketing is to say, well, yeah, he's dead. It's Superman's dead. And then <laughs> once he comes back to life, all the people who gave comics a shot, they're like, you fucking liars. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> you caught me. I'm out of here. Like, no more comics for me. Well, yeah, it's so weird, though, too, because you're like, well, Superman's dead. I guess I'll start getting into comics now. And yes. then you're like, what the fuck? They brought him back to life. This sucks. This is bullshit. But that probably is really. And, and, and you know, we're recording this when there's rumors of, like, Robert Downey Jr. coming back to play Iron Man. I think we are getting towards the downfall of comic book movies because according to people i know that have read comic books specifically they're making the same mistakes that they made well, when the bust happened i i agree i i agree with the i can see the warning signs but i've also i've doubted before that like could marvel really pull it off this time like same with both when titanic and avatar came out i was like well everybody tells me this is going to be a flop he went too far and he was wrong so I'm not going to say I'm like great at predicting things, but yeah, it does feel like the problem that runs people away from comics. And I've had this, my, my co-host Bob, he loves reading Japanese comics, manga, especially because they are a set story. You sometimes it's more than like 10 volumes, but this is the story. You know where one is and you know where the last issue is, but he's like, Hey, how do you get into Spider-Man? And I have to just tell him like, well, I could tell you six good Spider-Man stories that happened across multiple decades and they reference stories that you've never heard of and and just it becomes a wall that pushes people away and mm -hmm. i do think that when the marvel movies i'm already hearing it now of like about marvel movies i have to wait i was expected to have watched every movie that comes before this and now every season of a tv show that became before this for it to make sense like fuck this like i yeah. i totally see people say that i mean the tv show thing though it's very and and before we wrap up we do have to talk about wrestling uh okay. but the tv show is sort of like a wrestling kind of thing the tv shows because it's like uh i don't think you need to so uh i'll just bring it up with dynamite and yeah. uh reminder this was recorded a long time ago so whatever happens happens uh with rampage is mm -hmm. like i'm not watching rampage and, and <laughs> it isn't that i don't think rampage is good and it isn't that like i i i don't like the people on rampage like i i do i i wish some of them would rotate back on the dynamite you know oh, yeah. um and and like I'm not gonna watch wrestling on Friday night. It just, I'm not gonna sit down at 10 o'clock after already on Wednesday night, just telling my wife, yeah, I just watch wrestling tonight. There's, you know, <laughs> you're right. gonna argue about it. And you, you can sit here, she'll, she'll sit down and have like a drink and, and sort of watch it with me, but you know, only half pay attention, look at her phone and stuff like that. I can't say on Friday night also, we have to be home and I wanna watch wrestling. Yeah. Like I just can't do that and I'm not going to. And, and like, it doesn't matter as much anyway, too. Like, right. story wise, yeah. 
Yes, yes, which is nice. And that's how it should be. And and there's always this conversation happening with the with the uh uh wrestling journalist sphere and stuff like that of like how do they get people to watch Rampage? Uh maybe they should make the stories mean a lot more on Rampage and then people will have to watch it and then watch Dynamite. And I have been saying for a while now uh I wouldn't do that because I do not think that people are going to watch Rampage. Like, I don't think the same numbers of people are going to watch it. So then we get to a point where we're telling stories and we're only seeing half of the story. And I think yeah. that we're learning. We, we learned to tune out Rampage once we found out it wasn't going to have any bearing on the full story. Now, the reason I brought that up is because with the Marvel TV shows, I think people are slowly figuring out, like, they don't mean shit. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to know anything about them to like the movies or to see the movies. So I haven't watched one since that stupid, awful <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier show that I hated. Uh -huh. yeah. um, I, I, I watched that, and I hated it. Mm -hmm. And it just I, seems not vital, you know? I could talk about that one all day, but that one was, it bugged me in that it felt like Marvel wants to keep thinking like, oh, we're going to do important, we can do important stuff too. And like they, they basically make, they, they take this character from the comics called U.S. Agent, who's written to be the Republican, the more conservative Captain America. That's his character. And so they actually make, they're going to have this big scene in it where he like basically is a killer cop being filmed by people. I was like, Oh, okay. So you're, you're getting in that. That's interesting. And then they, but they, they declaw it as much as possible. They're like, well, you know, this killer cop guy, he has a black best friend and his wife is a woman of color. And uh, he had all these reasons to do it. And actually all the, all the other characters become his friend at the end. I'm like, well, okay, then, then you didn't really want to do like the killer cop story. You just, you wanted to act like you were doing an important story and then not. It's the weird thing that the MCU seems to maybe do a little more on the TV shows than it does in the movies. But uh, it's Black Panther was like a really good example of this where it was like, uh, hey, you know, we we finally have a, a black superhero. He's really cool. The movie's really, you know, Wakanda is this like really cool place and it's very, uh, it's like uh, ahead of us technology-wise and stuff like that. And then at the end, uh, a fucking CIA agent helps them win whatever the battle is. And it's like, yeah. do you know what the CIA does in Africa? Like, do you well, have any idea the kind of shit they do over there? I know that that was so weird. I. My nicest reading on it, and because also I I like Ryan Coogler's movie. I thought Creed was an awesome movie. Like I love those movies. Yeah, yeah. But he's I I know he knows, but like I think he also knows he can only go so far. And so if he wants to make the Black Panther movie, then he just has to put in like winks to the audience. But then also know at the end of the day, the CIA has to win, and they have to go to the UN and make a new deal. Like oh, that's that shot of the of the CIA guy like nodding with approval at the UN when the Black Panther goes there. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, and also, yeah, there's this crazy scene in the, in the Black Panther, in the first Black Panther movie where 
uh, Killmonger, the villain, Michael B. Jordan, who's like right in the movie, uh, but he, he he takes over and the CIA, the white CIA guy goes, well, yeah, this is how you overthrew government. You know, we've done that before, too. I, so I know how they do it. And I was like, wait, what? You just heard. He just told Black Panther, why are you working with this guy? He just told you he knows how to overthrow governments because the CIA does it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're, I, I, you know, they're good with representation. I will say that that the Marvel movies seem to be trying to have representation after a lot of years of sort of not doing it. But sure. I also feel like it. It it is ham-handed, and in the end, the politics always veer back to like either like American Democrat liberalism or con basically conservatism. Yeah, really. I mean, I, mean yeah. I also hate, 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 hate their their impulse to make the uh, bad guys human too. Like, yeah. oh, you can see it's humanity. He doesn't like really want to do this, you know, like. I wasn't happy to see Killmonger killed. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. thought that was fucked up that he got killed. He uh, had a valid argument and was saying uh, saying a lot of stuff that I agreed with, and he got killed. Uh, the Vulture from uh, that Spider-Man movie. It yeah. was like, dude, he fucking... And then your big hero in the whole thing is an arms dealer. A fucking... Yes, yeah. It's insane. Yes, Come it's on. No, I mean, that's like the original sin of the MCU is that because it all starts, the first hero is Iron Man, then it's just like, well, yeah, it's the guy who who realized, you know, I should stop selling guns and sell lasers, really. And like, <laughs> but and it's just all about and then who's your other top hero that teams up with him? The secret agent who is in charge of all like basically a black ops people and the yeah, it's it's crazy. So then even when they bring in Spider-Man is my favorite superhero because he's supposed to be regular guy. Like he's a regular guy. He's smarter than most, but he's a regular dude who after getting bit by a spider, he's like, I should do something. I should be a good guy. But then when they put him in the Marvel movies, it's like, well, he's got to work. He's kind of more like a young Mark Zuckerberg and he's kind of working for uh, Tony and Tony is his big, he loves Tony. He wants to build things for the government too. Like, it's just like, yuck. Just, yeah. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, you're, uh, this is going to be a very hard segment to do here because we are recording this. I'm going to do this in every show, and I said I wasn't going to do it in every show. <laughs> I said okay. I told the Minion Death Cult guys when I recorded the episode with them, I was like, uh, just remember it's December, not right before Halloween. Mm. <laughs> and we did a pretty good job, and we're going to do a pretty good job now, but some of the stuff we might say uh, could be dated, you know? Um, but... I guess we talk about uh, some some wrestling. When did you get into uh, when oh. did you get into wrestling? I mean, yeah, it was is a childhood thing. I I loved pro wrestling as a kid, and then and I lived in a weird world because I grew up in the South, like born in Arkansas, then moved to Florida. So I had Southern wrestling roots, but also though I was such like a video store kid that my favorite wrestling was the Hulkamania stuff because that was on the VHS tapes I could rent as as a kid. And and so as a child, I was like growing up in the WCW world and saw them locally, but my favorite dude was Hulk Hogan and the, the colorful characters WWF. Uh, and then as a teen, I got I fell out after being as a kid 
then is a late teen, the edgy, you know, NWO era. Like I just loved it. Like I, I loved it. And that's when I also was able to connect it to my other nerdy stuff of like, Oh, there's internet. Well, I didn't know the word internet darling said, but I was like, there's internet darling wrestlers that everybody says like, this guy's good, but he never gets a chance. Like, like Mick Foley or Eddie Guerrero or, or Chris Jericho back then. Like, and so that's when I did become like a work rate nerd as well. And, uh, uh, uh-oh. we might be, uh, uh, diametrically opposed at I, this well, point. I do love, but I'll say that I am a work rate nerd, but I love a good character. When somebody says a great line or does a great, like on the mic performance, I love it. Like, like Mick Foley, I, I got into him because, you know, it's like, whoa, shit, this guy takes punishment like nobody else. This is crazy. But when I remember my favorite things in McFoley, it's words he said. It's promos he cut. So, and like for the longest time, CM Punk was my favorite dude as as a wrestler. I, I'm saying this. I don't know what CM Punk's done in the next two months. Don't don't put me out. But on the mic, he is like basically untouchable. And I And I love, that's my favorite thing about him. I guess like the difference I would say between between us is so uh, I also watched wrestling. I started during the new generation. Um, got really I I liked Hulkamania and 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 I remember vividly Hogan's feud with Earthquake. I remember uh, vividly seeing him and Andre on Saturday night's main event. Uh, at the bowling alley while my dad was bowling and like everybody I remember everybody at the fucking bowling alley stopped to watch the segment on before Wrestlemania 3 like the fucking all the adults were the all the screens in the place were turned to wrestling and everybody was watching I got so fucking into it and then I was invited uh by my brother to come with him to a friend's house because his friend had like a younger brother uh to see uh to watch wrestlemania 4 and uh the adults and you know my parents were like yeah whatever my dad doesn't love wrestling um or like it at all um <laughs> but the 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 kid's uncle was there and he was like talking about the million dollar man paying off referees and shit like that and i was like that's the fucking coolest thing i've ever heard happen in sports like i just couldn't believe that like there were people that were openly cheating and i just thought it was the best thing in the world because when you're a kid uh cheating is either uh severe injustice or it's like whoa you look you can kind of get away with that it's nice um yeah but then I got, I, I remember seeing Kevin Nash and he was like the guy that like grabbed me. I was just like, this is the coolest guy I've ever seen. And I liked the NWO stuff. And then in 2014, maybe 2013, uh, uh, I did get way back. I had been away and I came back and I was like, I'm a work rate guy. I, I, I like, uh, uh, you know, I was really into new Japan for a period of time for a long time. Oh, yeah. And, and before AEW, I, I was just basically watching New Japan and Ring of Honor. And like, uh, I was a work rate guy, but now I have like totally moved away oh, man. from that almost where I'm just like, you know what? Uh, I'm, I like seeing athletic feats and cool stuff, but I think I really, the thing I love about old pro wrestling 
and there are still guys that do it well, CM Punk does it really well, is the getting a lot out of a little. And uh, uh, so, you know, there was a period in, in Punk's latest run where he was doing a scoop slam, and the crowd was just losing their fucking mind at, like, the most simple move in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I watched Hogan Warrior one day and <laughs> realized they did four moves in the whole match, but the audience was, like, molten fucking hot. And you were just like, what the hell, man? They're not even doing anything. And that's when I just decided, like, man, people that can get a little bit, I, like, it would really benefit people that are wrestling now to learn how to get a little bit out of, out of, uh, or get a lot out of a little bit because nobody, Penta, Penta does it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Um, he's the yeah, guy that he, does it. It's funny that Penta, Penta is comboed with Ray Phoenix, who is totally the opposite of just like, he has to do, and he is amazing. I love Ray Phoenix, like, but he does do so much in every match. And meanwhile, Penta will do like, no, I'm going to, my character is like a mean jerk who does like, he breaks a guy's arm or breaks fingers mm -hmm. or whatever. And it's just like, it's all in your mind. You know, he's not really breaking arms. Like that's, that's the difference of meanwhile, if you see Ray Phoenix do uh, a wild impossible, you would think like double somersault moon assault outside and splash on the dude. It is amazing, but it does come to a point of you going like, I have seen that in a lot of matches now. Like it's it's not as special, and there's only so much people can do. Like, and I think it's harder to be a work rate nerd now because most of the people, especially on on WWE and AEW TV, you usually have very good performers who are going to put on a great match. You know, and mm -hmm. you uh, it, it matters more about the story, and sometimes the story's not there, and that can really disappoint. Yeah. 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 And there's that thing with me about like the history. Uh, I, I'm like a real like nerd about like the history of wrestling in like the, the, the 80s and 90s. And even, you know, before that, where like when it, when it was still a carny business. And uh, there's just something to me about like, wow, these guys are like, these, these guys are like, like, like fooling everybody in a way. And I think I'd love that. I'd love the idea that like grandmas would want to stab uh, Ted DiBiase in the past. Yeah. And we don't have, I don't think wrestling fans understand heat anymore, uh -huh. um, which for people who don't watch wrestling is like the, the reaction to what bad guys do is called heat. And you're trying to get people as mad as possible uh, I truly don't believe that wrestling fans understand heat at all in 2023. Well, man, well, you know, with, with smart fans, you know, and I, I would call myself a smart Mark uh, to a degree. So I say this with, with knowledge of what it's like, like, you know, it's fake and you know, what's not. And when somebody tries to do a fake thing that makes you think it's real, then you're mad. But if they do, but if they do something that is meant to be fake, but is slightly real and maybe in a passive aggressive way, then you go like, Ooh, but that's real. Cause he said it in a passive aggressive way, even though like, I mean, that's why MJF is good at getting heat. Uh, the, the wrestler MJF and AEW is good at getting heat uh, and anger out of his audience uh, because he knows what smart marks want. And he's like, Oh, then you would know 
it's such a fucking mind game you have to play for with smart fans. Of like MJF knows what we think the line is. He defined a behind the scenes line with another guy that like, oh, and this will look like I'm crossing the line and you have to react like I did cross the line, but I actually didn't because we agreed upon this. And it's this like incredibly complicated dance just to get somebody to go, boo, you're a bad guy to, to a person you don't like. Yeah, and and I think most people like to cheer the bad guys, which yes. is a total. I think hurts hurts people's enjoyment of of the show too. Like MJF is clearly at the time we're watching uh, uh, is clearly a baby face now, good guy. Everybody but loves like it. because he went away and he came back, and uh, people just they like him insulting them, and it's like part of the thing. And Stone Cold Steve Austin was a lot like that too. But like there are guys who are doing things that, I mean, my feeling when it comes to heat and like bad guys in, in wrestling is like, I, I, all I would say is that like, you're not out there to hurt people's feelings and that like, you know, oftentimes people will get mad at wrestling. I remember there was a period last year where people were just furious at Chris Jericho for, I, I remember when he started the, the Jericho appreciation society, I remember people being like Jericho appreciation society. Why didn't they call it inner circle 2.0? Because he had been in the inner circle yeah. and he moved 2.0 into a, a spot in his new thing. And it's like, because that's, he's not trying to be fucking cool. Like he's, yeah. he's trying to be a, 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 a smug guy that is saying stuff. He, he, he tried to get as a baby face, he tried to get GFY over, which is, you know, kind of a go fuck yourself. And it didn't work out and people thought it sucked. And then when he switched over to being a bad guy, that was like the sports entertainer, uh, people were mad because he said GFY and it's just like, dude. He, he, he yeah. is being annoying. MJF does the same thing. MJF will say stuff that is not funny, not, not clever, nothing. And he's doing it because he doesn't want people to say like, oh, I, I like this guy. And I think people have just totally fucking moved past thinking that bad guys, like bad guys aren't allowed. And this is part of the press too, because Cause like one of the worst things that the wrestling journalists are like this, this wrestling promotion lied to me. They're bad. That's sleazy. And mm. it's like, what the fuck do you think you do for a living? Like who, the f <laughs> who, who do you think you cover? You know? I know? Yeah. It's, you know, man, there's like with the character. Well, there's a problem now where if, if people did things that got booze before, then uh, like, a character screws over another character. Like, like mm -hmm. actually, that uh, Ted DiBiase one's perfect. Ted DiBiase bribes a referee to get handed the world championship by Andre. When he does that, everybody boos him because they're like, he cheated. I hate this guy. You do a story like that now, there are some people who boo it directly for that, but then there's many more who go like, I don't like, I am booing because I do not like this story. I'm not mm -hmm. mad at... I'm not mad at the bad guy. I'm mad at the person I know who writes this. And, <laughs> and you can blame that on Vince McMahon becoming a character, I'd say, because in all the other 
on-screen characters that are the creators that you instead are just like, no, I'm mad at the person. I This is bad TV or a bad story, and I'm mad not at the character, but at the person who made this happen. That's a, that is a, like a really good point. I, I also think, like, I always think back to the uh, Ted DiBiase uh, thing where he tells a kid, you know, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can <laughs> dribble this ball 10 times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember seeing this live and I've watched it again recently. This, this little, this, the cutest little kid in the world comes up there. Yeah. He dribbles the ball like seven times and then fucking Ted DiBiase knocks the ball out of his hand. So he oh, can't do it. And then just stands there and laughs. If that happened now, a lot of people would say, you can't do that to a kid. That's, yeah, you know, you don't, you don't get heat off of a kid. And it's just like one of the last great heat moments in, in pro wrestling was uh, during a Sasha versus Sasha Banks versus Bailey match in the performance center where there was this little girl who was there all the time named Izzy. She was at every show and you could see it. And she, she was Bailey's biggest fan and Bailey would give her headbands and stuff. All this stuff happened. Uh, uh, where people really liked this little kid and, and they were really invested in this little kid. And uh, Bailey gave her a headband before their match. And then Sasha grabbed that headband and threw it on the ground during the match. And the audience just fucking was like, you do not do that. That is yeah. not something that you do. And I think like, I think back to Double or Nothing 2019, which I was at, was it 2019 or 2018? I was at Double or Nothing when Cody and Dustin wrestled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember being in the room during that match. Uh, Dustin Rhodes and and Co- Dustin Rhodes is just bleeding all over the place. I mean, like he's <laughs> it's just puddle on the <laughs> mat. It's so much blood. And people around me were saying they need to stop this. This needs to be stopped. And yeah. because Dustin was acting like he was running out of uh, oxygen and, and the blood was making him tired. And just I, there were people around me that like couldn't look, that were getting sad. I can't believe a brother is doing this to his brother. And it was like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, they're fucking 100% buying this. This is fucking, yeah. it was the best feeling I've had at a wrestling show was just yeah. like there there's these there's these moments that you get when you go see this stuff live uh, another example i can tell you is joey janela's spring break uh when walter big huge guy wrestled pco who's another big huge older guy yeah those are and giants yeah we were in i was sitting like three rows back from the front during that match and uh, it's an incredibly crazy match. If you can get your hands on it, I mean, it is. And I thought somebody was going to fucking die. But I was like losing my mind through the whole match. I had never been more entertained mm-hmm. in a room watching a performance. So like it's stuff when, when the lines start to get blurred and you start to wonder if like, hey, are these guys really fighting? Mm-hmm. Like that's what I like to see. Yeah. No, that's that is this kind of magical moment, and it it gets harder and harder to pull the. Well, I mean, I guess really we're talking about too, like, you know, it, wrestling is for all ages, people, but it kind it is like starts as kids entertainment for, or that's we got into as kids. It was easier to fool us. Same with like a magic trick, and the older you get, the harder it is to fool somebody with a magic trick because you know how the obvious tricks are done and you know this and (laughs) and as you get older, you're like, Oh, well this is a reference to that. Or this match is like, I mean, I've been at shows where 
just in my excitement, I they paced the match perfectly that in the last two minutes, I stand up like, that guy's going to do that move, and then that's going to happen. And then it happens, and I feel like, oh, this is, you know, I felt like such a smart guy then, but I also was like, I ruined this for me. Like, I should have just let this moment occur and just been impressed by it instead of saying like, oh, he's going to do a moonsault and that reverses into the tombstone. That's the finish. That's that's the clear finish they're leading to at this point. But so yeah. I think what, what we can say to people who maybe don't watch wrestling is like, if you have an opportunity to see it live, I would do it because that is what makes lifelong fans is seeing it. I'll never stop watching wrestling. Now. Uh, my dad had never taken me to see it live when I was a kid. I, I could never talk him into it, but, uh, having been to a bunch of like, I mean, I've been to a lot of like really iconic shows. Um, and having been to a bunch of the like big, I mean, all the AEW shows I was at, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, at the early time. <laughs> I went to like pretty much every pay-per-view until the first full year. And uh, I was just at All Out when we were going to meet yeah, up. We're both there, I yeah. was an idiot. Um, but uh, yeah, go see it live and boo the heels and cheer the good guys. Like yeah. that's what your job. And if you do that, you will have a lot of fucking fun. Yeah. And you know, I think if it's your first one, I think a local promotion is a good one to start at too because like or are also untelevised because if you do go to like dynamite or if you're if you're if somebody takes you to a wwe show of like raw or smackdown you're basically watching like an episode of television that has to tell all these stories but if you're at your local indie you're just seeing great matches that are just happening for usually for their own sake not for like an overall storytelling thing and it's it's this magic moment you have uh, in person like that was i i took my friends to a indie show in sf that was the most recently uh i took friends to who weren't wrestling fans to stuff and yeah they they got to just see matches that were just showcase matches for like this person is really good at this and they're going to do it in this match it doesn't have to tell a story it doesn't have to make somebody look like a new championship contender or anything it just is hey here's a great match that tells, uh, here's a funny Colt Cabana match, or here's the, uh, or here's the, the crazy Ray Mysterio match, like all that kind of stuff. It just got to be that thing instead of an episode of television, uh, which might yeah. be harder for people. Uh, pay-per-view's a good one, too. If a pay-per-view yeah. comes to your town, I, you know, it's just the TV is a little bit weirder, but I would argue you'd have fun at a TV. You just pay-per-view. You want to go somewhere where it's mostly matches. I I don't think a new fan going to a TV show where they're going to cut 10 minute promos is like, (laughs) that's not the most great way to see it. But like, uh, uh, you go to pay-per-view, it's all matches. And there's a lot of emotion in the room. There was this magical moment of wrestling. Like that. I I realized like, wow, this can really, when it works, it works for anybody. We went to my my husband and I went to Vegas to see. We went to Rampage, the AW Rampage show before Double or Nothing on uh, the Friday, and after Rampage, they also tape Dark. They take their Dark Dark shows, which is their YouTube show, where in, even more inconsequential matches, but good matches. And again, my favorite dudes are some of my favorite guys: the Death Triangle, Ray Phoenix, Pentagon, and Pack. They do this six man match where they do crazy stuff. And the woman behind us, uh, the uh, female security guard at the place, 
or the whole time. Like she gets so into it. We're hearing her react bigger than any of us. Like, oh my God, he did that. Oh, he cheated. That guy cheated. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wow, that this feels so special. Like it reminded me, like, I'm in this insular bubble of all of the all the wrestling reporters and all the super insider stuff that it was just refreshing to see a regular person react the way you're supposed to to a good wrestling match. Yeah, you're like trying to get that feeling, but it just is like I don't know. It doesn't. It it sometimes doesn't get there for you. I'm I'm trying a lot harder to to sort of be a uh, just in the moment fan instead of trying to be like, hmm. I wonder why he won that match. Uh, what does what's this what's, what's the next thing? Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> be that guy anymore. But Henry, I want to tell you that this was incredibly fun. We didn't get to pretty much anything I was going to talk to you about, which is always a good thing. And uh, I definitely would love to have you back. Or oh, if this is you. the second time you've done the show, then uh, it's good to have you back. I, I don't <laughs> know if I'll be asking you between now and, you know, then to do it. Hey, but well, uh, this has been so much fun. I, I love talking. About, I mean, this this feels like being, you know, not just because we talked about our high schools. This felt like, you know, just being back in high school and chatting about stuff like this was this was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I've I've always wanted to do it, and I was so so appreciative of you uh, you offered me to come on. Thanks so much. And tell people where to find you because here's what happens now, and I do this at the end of every episode. Now, uh, when I hit end broadcast, it will hang up on you. I am not being rude. Uh, <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> so uh, tell people where to find you. Well, sure. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it a bit up front. It's the Talking Simpsons podcast. I co-host with my great buddy, co-host and co- podcast creator, co-creator Bob Mackey, uh, where we talk about a different episode of The Simpsons in order. Uh, we go super deep into the behind the scenes of the show, the history, the references, all this. If you, you will not learn more about a Simpsons episode than listening to ours. And uh, we've had on so many cool guys we've had on Brian. Uh, we've had on, you know, uh, folks from Chapo like uh, Will Menneker and uh, Matt Chrisman. We've had on, uh, we've had on uh, at least Alex from the Minion Death Cult and and so many other cool folks on it. And uh, yeah, you will learn a ton about The Simpsons. And it's supported at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, where on that we do a ton of exclusives talking about if you like King of the Hill or, uh, Futurama, that's where we cover those shows, the same style. And uh, and also we talk about animated feature films too, super in-depth if you want to hear that. We go really, really deep. So uh, check all that out, patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons or Talking Simpsons wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter where I'm usually tweeting about either our podcast, pro wrestling, or, or also like uh, uh, usually being disappointed in politics <laughs> at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g on twitter and i will say you know get on and the street fight patreon right now we're uh we're doing now we're cooking a podcast about dane cook uh <laughs> we're looking at i know you've already heard like three or four episodes about dane cook but uh it just keeps going and it's a fun one i think <laughs> I mean, I know the guests are really funny. So thank you, Henry, for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate it. It was a whole lot of fun. I, it was way different than a lot of other stuff I've done. And it was uh, longer than I thought it was going to be. So I appreciate you being here for that amount of time. No, this was great. I'd, I'd love to come back anytime. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.
got a colorful aura Like I got neon uh-huh. guns Uh-huh Yeah, I float in the room like I'm reefer. Yeah, alien, I'm not your kind of people. Yeah, yeah. Telepathy fan, watch how I read J boy. You ain't got emeralds greener. Nah, you ain't got Richard the sleeve. No, sir. And I got a rose that's in the grove that I ain't drove. Shit, I don't know the reason. Three or five. Underlay, underlay, revive. Hola. Me and J Babin on G5. Chola. Success is a drug hand, man, we high. I, your mother, is a beehive. Yeah, I got love for you haters. Yeah, ain't you tired of enslaving? Huh? Come with us, make some paper. Shame, cause you should own what you label. Yeah, you never stayed in Kahlua. I put Chanel on my shooter. Flooding my chain and it Gucci. I don't want that girl, she moody. I'm basically saying I'm cooler. Get DR discounts from my cougar. Back in the sixth grade, I got them bad grades. I was in love with my tutor. See, musically lose, you trapping, man. Most of you rappers be actors, man. Go MIA when I find little Madison. Stay at the risk, call 10, this not the rabbit. Just took a blue one, about to take the red pill. Purple thoughts in my brain, hope it don't spill. Stay with a nerd, you like Urkel Jalil. Fresh is like Carlton, I kill him but will. Big ass R on my Smiths. Big ass R on my whips. Slip on shoes so you won't trip. Say she kinda fine and she got some hips. Mama said, let me see the witch. Boy, you know, light and dark don't mix. Mix it up, boy, bad luck. Sick to my stomach with the neon guts. So high stars eat all dust And I got a colorful aura Like I got neon guts Dark energy we don't touch All jewelry's beyond touch And they give a nigga colorful aura Like I got neon guts Higher than Elon Musk So high stars eat our dust And I got a colorful aura Like I got neon guts Dark energies we don't touch Our jewelry's beyond touch and I got a colorful aura Like I got neon Yeah fam, Pharrell on Mars with my fellow star I'm like lightning striking in a metal rod I say hello God in the double bars So damn it, MX, I got a yellow card uh, Yellow card, yellow card Damn P, I need a yellow card I am from the root like where the pedal start I had to push like a pedal started Way after but ahead of y'all New crib, got a better yard Two years, I got hella cars Since the eighth grade, I had hella broads Hella broads Yellow painting with a yellow bra Shit came from cost, probably March Slick my hair back like I'm Chico DeBarge I got some lights on my chest Don't confuse it with a heart Heard things ain't looking too good for you Had to pull some strings like I played a harp I get these billions alone It been that way from the start Smoking good Kush my cologne Got neon guts cause I can't see in the dark Higher than Elon Musk So high stars eat our dust And I got a colorful aura Like I got neon guts Dark energy we don't touch All jewelry's beyond touch And they give a nigga colorful aura Like I got neon guts Higher than Elon Musk So high stars eat our dust And I got a colorful aura Like I got neon guts Dark energies we don't touch Our jewelry's beyond touch And I got a colorful aura like I got neon guts And I got a colorful aura